I love you guys. I, uh, <clears throat> last night I was thinking, you know, I, I know at least 30 people who are going to be gone today. I'm thinking, if I know 30 people who are going to be gone today, then, you know, uh, it's, uh, I mean, Margaret and I'll be there. Uh, and then, uh, and then Carolyn uh, Facebooked me and said, I'm coming. You know, I said, well, okay. Uh, <laughs> but all of y'all came. What an encouragement that you are to me. And, and you know what? Even if only half of you were here, still, just looking at some of your faces is a great encouragement to me. It really is. I really do love you guys. Uh, I'd also like to remind the men who already know this and then inform some of the men who don't already know this that on Tuesday mornings at 6.30, we, uh, the, we have a thing called a gate. Now, afterwards, I think at 9 or 10 or something, the women have a Bible study, and then there's a mom's group, that, uh, and that sounds pretty gender-specific, uh, that meets on, on Friday mornings. 6.30 on Tuesday mornings is the man's hour. And so if you're available, I encourage you to, to come to it. It's, uh, it's, it's, a terrific, it, it's a terrific thing. And this, this Tuesday, we're going to hear uh, how Ed Salima spent his summer vacation. So that, that'll, be, that'll, that'll be great. And um, Kevin mentioned Annie. That opens this week. It's, it's pretty good. No, it's not pretty good. It's really great. Yes, especially that Roosevelt guy. Uh, <laughs> Uh, he's just one of the minor people. Wonder what we're going to talk about today. Uh, I wonder what we're going to talk about today. <laughs> yeah. You know, when Brian was up here and talking about this life that Jesus came to give to us, a lot of people get saved or they give their life to Christ and they don't change anything, and they wonder why nothing changed. This is part of that abundant, wonderful life that he brings to us. It, it, it seriously is. This isn't, a, this isn't a fundraising sermon. This is a fun-raising. Okay, that was inspired. Uh, you stand with me? We're going to read from 2 Corinthians together. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Okay, let's read that part again at double volume. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, he has scattered abroad his gifts to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. 
Now he who supplies seed to the sower and food for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. You will be made rich in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of God's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, men will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit. I pray that you'd fill this place. You'd fill every heart, that that you'd fill the thoughts in every mind. I pray, Father God, that you would use these words to bring life to people today, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Before you sit down, uh, get, find two people you haven't messed with and hug them. You, you may actually have to move. Okay, I do want to preach. So just two and yeah. Last week we talked about tithes. This is a a brief uh, two-sermon series on this. Last week we talked about tithes. And one of the things that we learned is that tithes and offerings are two different things. So when we say this is tithes and offerings, we're not going this is tithes and tithes, or this is offerings and offerings. They're two separate things. And uh, the distinction is that tithes, you pay tithes because that's what you owe, and you give offerings, which is, which is something else. Um, most, um, most never actually pay the tithes, quite frankly. The, the, uh, and I don't know how you find out these figures, but, um, uh, but I've read it in books, so I know it's true. Uh, <laughs> That, 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 that the average Christian gives uh, 2.5% of their income. And, uh, you know, jo- join me for just a second in pastor fantasy land. What, what if we quadrupled our budget? You know, what, what, what could we actually do uh, with that? Well, this year, uh, we, we, pay, we could pay off this building. We could uh, take a couple of people who are part-time, make them full-time, that need to be full-time. We could, uh, we could start broadcasting our services even when I don't preach uh, because it doesn't, the, the quality doesn't go down when, when, when I'm not here. And then, uh, and then we'd only have about three-quarters of a million dollars left over to help erase people's debt and uh, to advance the kingdom. And then next year, we could really do some stuff after we got the building paid off. Like I say, that's pastor fantasy land. That, that's like the first millennium of Christianity, but things have kind of changed since then. Uh, anyway, okay, back to, back to earth. 
there's this wonderful place beyond tithes called giving. And giving has attached to it a companion word that uh, is absolutely wonderful. It's called generosity. And it's about a way of life. It, it, it's, a, it's about a way of life. A person who lives a, a generous way of life is, is unstoppable. They're absolutely unstoppable. And, and, and life becomes richer. And life, and life becomes brighter. And life becomes more worth living as we, as we learn to give. Over in Acts uh, 20, 35, Paul was speaking to the Ephesian elders. He was saying goodbye to them. And he said, in everything I did... I showed you by that this kind of hard work, we must help the weak, remembering the words of the Lord Jesus, uh, the words the Lord Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. A lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people think that it's more blessed to receive than give, but think about it. Which would you rather be, the alms beggar or the alms giver? How many would vote alms giver? How many would vote alms beggar? How many are not paying attention or they don't understand the question? <laughs> of course we'd rather be we'd rather be the giver. Look at these uh two pictures of this uh handsome guy. <laughs> this is this uh marvelous uh, presentation of the character of Ebenezer Scrooge. Uh, Which of these guys looks happier? Now, the one in the red background is Scrooge keeping his money. The one in the blue background is Scrooge giving away money. Which one looks happier? Blue. The blue guy. Do you, en- uh, do you enjoy on Christmas morning watching your kids open presents more or opening your own presents more? Now, before you answer that, <laughs> let me just say that if you enjoy opening your own presents more than watching your kids open their presents, you're sick. <laughs> you're a bad person. You got problems. There are things you need to get sorted out. Now, when I was a kid, I, I uh, actually, I still love getting presents when you get right down to it. But, you know, it, it's, 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 instead of being childish, there is a way of being childlike. Here's the thing. I still love getting presents, and that's great. I hope I always love getting presents. I hope you always love getting presents. Because when you don't, some, a light has gone out in your life. But I don't enjoy opening my Kroger gift card uh, or or whatever it is that you give to the guy who has everything. I I don't enjoy doing that as much as I enjoy going out and and getting stuff for people. I mean, that's a blast. It really is. (laughs) Especially when you don't know what size they wear. (laughs) Then you can only buy toys. Uh, (laughs) 
It's more blessed to give than receive. Uh, let's go back to Psalm 112 again that I've referenced the last couple of weeks and that I read over Liam when we, uh, when we dedicated him and several of you asked me about. Good will come to him who is generous and lends freely, who conducts his affairs with justice. Good. Uh, and, and, and it's not like I hope good will come. The Bible said it would. You know, you believe the Bible. The Bible says the person who's generous, good comes to them. Uh, now, you know, Job was generous and some bad stuff came to him, but those are seasons. Good ultimately comes to those who are generous. Proverbs eleven twenty four and 25 says, One man gives freely, yet gains even more. Another withholds unduly, but comes to poverty. A generous man will prosper. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. Now, I'm not saying, this isn't saying that you should never save money or you should never set anything aside. No, uh, it's biblical to do that as well. When Joseph was advising Pharaoh about how to face the future in Egypt, he said, we need to build some storehouses. We need to to store up grain from, from these bountiful harvests. That was a wise thing for him to do. Um, Proverbs, Psalms uh, seventeen fourteen says that the righteous store up wealth for their children. Now you can't store up if you hadn't stored up. Uh, Proverbs thirty five twenty five commends ants for storing up food for the winter. They must love squirrels because <laughs> they do it too. But I mean, they said that's a good thing. That's that's something that that's commendable. But there is a place. There is a place where you cross over. There's a balance between being wise and being stingy. And while you do need to store up some at the same time, you need to to continue to give while you're storing up. Because if you don't give while you're storing up, you won't give. you, You will never feel like you've gotten to the place where you've stored up enough. It'll, it'll, just keep, it'll just keep storing and become like the Dead Sea. That's what happens. So there, there needs to be this flow and there, there needs to be this balance. You say, well, what is the balance? How much is enough? And, and, and blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't have a concrete answer to that, but I have the right answer to that. The right answer is you have to listen to the Holy Spirit in your life. Tell you where it is and what it is. See, one of the things about Christianity that, that just drives people crazy and is, is they want some, some solid rules. You know, it's this or it's that. And it's this much or it's that much. You know, there's no life in that. The life is in being led by the Holy Spirit. And, and in every day getting up and not going, I don't need your advice today. I already know what I'm supposed to do. But every day getting up and going... Help. Help. Show, show, me how to, show me how to do this. Show me, show me how to walk today. One thing I can say is that when it comes to storing up, never be motivated by fear. Because that's not how the Holy Spirit motivates us. It's not how the Holy Spirit inspires us. It's how the enemy manipulates us. Fear is a manipulating element. And God never manipulates. Never does. He sometimes makes things pretty obvious. 
but he never manipulates. You read, read, the, read the Gospels and see Jesus' ministry. You never see him manipulating anybody. You never see him eliminating their choices. In fact, for the most part, the people that he has encountered are people whose choices have pretty much been eliminated, and he's giving them some new choices that they can go along with. Uh, just very briefly on this once again, most of you have seen It's a Wonderful Life, and you remember the run on the bank scene, and George Bailey is, 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 is trying to, to tell everybody, look, look, the, this is all just paper. You know, and we don't have as much paper in the bank as you guys are wanting. It's in, it's in Fred's house and Ethel's house and Desi's house and Lucy's house. It's, <laughs> it's, all of the, it's an old person joke there. It, it's, uh, it, it's, in all these, it's in all these places. But if we, if we allow fear to overcome us, this whole thing's going to come unglued. We've got to have trust. We've got to have trust. We've got to have confidence. We've got to move forward. Generosity breeds generosity. It brings prosperity to all. There is one thing that can totally mess up giving, though. Jesus mentioned this over in Matthew chapter 6. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Uh, now this, this uh, and he goes on to talk about, uh, you know, not announcing when you're going to give your gifts to the poor and everything, not making a big production out of it, a big deal so that people will look at you and go, ooh. Um, and it's led to, it's led to some, some extremes in terms of the way people have thought about this. But uh, the truth of the matter is when he says, don't let your right hand know what your left hand's doing, it's, it, that's an idiom. It's not about your hand. It's not like you're supposed to keep, you know, your left hand in the dark while you're while you're doing stuff with your right. Your your hands don't actually know anything. <laughs> Think about it. It's not about your hands. It's about your heart. That's that's actually what he's talking about here. There are times when, when public giving is fine. There are times, in fact, when it's approved. David, when they got ready to, uh, when, when he was getting ready to, well, he wasn't going to build the temple. Solomon was going to build it. But when they were collecting the goods for the temple, David publicly announced everything that he was giving. And the reason why he did that was because he wanted to in, inspire and challenge others to give. He said, this is what I'm giving. What you do, what you going to do? Come on, bring it. And it did. It actually did that. Zacchaeus, when, uh, when Jesus saw him and uh, said, I'm come down out of the tree, I'm going to go to your house. You know, Zacchaeus said, Lord, this day I'm going to give away half of all of my goods to the poor. And if I've robbed anybody of anything, then I'll, I'll pay it back four times. And Jesus went, salvation's come to this house today. Well done. You see, Zacchaeus was known for robbing from the poor and, and taking things that shouldn't be his. And so this was, this was, this was the, the public turnaround. This was the, the thing that, that said, hey, these aren't just words. This is, this is real. This is something coming from the heart. So when something's coming from the heart, God certainly doesn't have an issue with that. The key phrase in that, in that was to be seen by them. 
In other words, to be seen by them so that they'll look at you giving and then go, ooh, did you see what he did? Did you see what she did? Yeah. Because the, the truth of the matter is, this is a principle. Giving always produces a reward. It's all, it's going to, you can't keep it from producing a reward. The only question is, where is that reward going to come from? And if you're giving with a heart that wants that reward to come from the admiration of those around you, you'll get it. But that's all you'll get. And you also have to be very careful about giving in such a way that you don't necessarily want their admiration. You can admire yourself quite well enough for what you've done. Because that can happen too. I mean... Giving's a high. It it really does. You you get a high out. It's it's got a buzz that comes with it when you give, for sure. And, you know, and if you, here's here's what you need to do. You need to give it and forget it quickly as you can. Give it. It's gone. Forget about it. Walk away. You know what? Your heavenly Father who sees what is done in the secret places of your heart will reward you you can't even begin to imagine what that reward would be. Can't even begin to imagine what it would be. Unless you decide to go ahead and collect right now. So that's the only thing really that, that, that can mess it up. Give it and forget it. Second Corinthians 9, I want to briefly look here at, at the rules for giving in the passage that we read. One of the rules is whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Whoever sows generously will reap generously. Uh, now, there's a, uh, an erroneous teaching that has gone out from time to time that your tithe, when you, give it, when, when, when you pay your tithes, that's your seed. And that tithe's not a seed. See, we're, we, are, we are actually stewards, but we don't really uh, aren't familiar with that concept much anymore. And we're probably not familiar with this concept, but my granddaddy was one of these. What we really are is sharecroppers. That's what we really are. A sharecropper is somebody who doesn't own anything, but they have been given a plot of land to work. It, it always amazes me the idea of, of uh, actually of, of land ownership. I mean, when you think about it, you may have a piece of paper that says that you own a house and half an acre or whatever it is that it's owned, but you know what you've really got? You have a piece of paper. That's what you got. So as long as they don't change the laws, as long as the government doesn't, doesn't change, as long as things go on and continue the way they are, you know, as long as we don't have the zombie apocalypse, you know, come along, then uh, you've uh, you got a piece of paper. But that's really it. You know, back in 1803, the United States paid $15 million to France for Louisiana. How did France get Louisiana? (laughs) I mean, really. And how did Louisiana get all the way up to Montana? You know, it's just this big old swash of land in the middle. We give you 15 million. Who, Who made that up? Seriously. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. The people and all who live on it. Your life is the Lord's. It doesn't belong to you. And so the thing is, when you, 
makes something, there is a portion that goes back to the owner. That's the tithe. And then what's left over is for you and your family's provision and for seed to be sowed. That's, that's what's left over. Uh, oh, when James Ryle was here uh, several years ago and actually was preaching uh, out of this passage, he also mentioned over in Luke 16 the, the parable of the unjust manager. Um, some of you are, are familiar with that. Some of you are not. But let me, let me bring you up to speed if you're not. The unjust manager was robbing from the owner. And because he was robbing from the owner and using all that for himself, the owner came along and said, you can't be my manager anymore. <clears throat> and the guy began to freak out and he went, what am I going to do? I'm, I'm too, uh, I, I don't have the strength to dig and I'm, and I'm too proud to beg. So what, what am I going to do? Well, what he ended up doing was managing. But managing in such a way, it's kind of a confusing parable if you read it, but if you think about it this way, it's not. He began to manage in such a way that it blessed others. Rather, He began to use his master's wealth to bless others rather than just bless himself. And his master commended him. You've only got three choices in life. You can be a digger, and that's what most of us are. Going out there, going after it, nose to the grindstone, 24-7, hitting it, let's, let's make it happen, let's, let's, let's bring it in. You can be a beggar, and if you decide to do nothing, that's the default position. Or you can be a manager. You can be a steward of the things that God's given to you. And, and here's a clue. That third one is the best gig. The other two aren't all that great. We get right down to it. So he says, you know, when you got seed, if you sow sparingly, you're going to reap sparingly. If you sow generously, you'll reap generously. Uh, Each man should give what he's decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. It's not about the hands. It's about the heart. This is a heart issue. And this is an issue that a lot of people uh, kind of feel like maybe if I don't think about it, it it will go away. And I don't have to deal with it. No. If you don't think about it, then the only way you ever will give is under compulsion and reluctantly. Somebody will manipulate you into giving. But it won't really be a blessing to you because it wasn't something that you decided in your heart to do. This, this is something, this is something that, you, that you need to think about. This is something, you know, when, when the money comes in, you need to not only be thinking, okay, this part goes to God. These are my exact, you know, what am I going to give? God, what do I, what should I give and, and where should I give it? I mean, you, you need, you need to seriously ask God about that. And quite frankly, you know, most people never, that doesn't enter into their prayer time very often. Yeah. But it's important that, that that happen because otherwise it'll be under compulsion or, or it'll be reluctantly and, and, and that's not the way that it's supposed to be. That's one of the reasons why we do dollars for the poor. You know, because I say, hey, it, it's not the amount. You know, most people here could give more than a dollar. And virtually, we do a dollar because virtually everyone can do a dollar. But the, the real important thing is that you have to think about it. You have to, you have to think each week. They're going to do a dollar for the poor. 
That's right, God loves the poor. That's right, I need to bring a dollar. I, I need to be able to, that's the important part, of, that's the kicker, is the fact that it becomes something that you begin, that you begin to consider in your heart because God loves a cheerful giver. Why? Why does God love a cheerful giver? Uh, I've got two reasons. I mean, you know, some, somebody else may have some more, but I, I've got two. One reason that God loves a cheerful giver is because when someone really is a cheerful giver, one of the things that says is, I trust God. I believe that He is able to make all grace abound to me, so that having all that I need, I'll be able to be generous on every occasion. And so therefore, even though I, you know, I really could use this maybe somewhere else, I really feel like the Holy Spirit's telling me I'm supposed to get, I trust Him to take care of it. We, we, we are so adamant about how important it is to have in God we trust on our money, even though it's a lie. We don't trust God as a nation. And the reason why we don't trust God as a nation is not because we've elected the wrong people or not because we've got the wrong laws. It's because the individuals in the nation don't trust God. You know, I was expecting some rousing amens because that's a very important point. And, you know, and, and I'm feeling an oh me coming up this way rather than, rather than an amen. But, I mean, you know, we, we, want the, we want the image. We want to say that we trust God. But trusting God is not just words. Trusting God's actually something, doing something. And a cheerful giver, hey, you, you can't be a cheerful giver without trusting God. And so it says, I trust God. And it also says, I care about others. Now, you know, if you've got um, two kids, you love them both, and one of them uh, trusts you explicitly and, and just cares for everybody that they, that they come across, they're, they're always looking to, to, to help. You know, that, you're gonna, that's going to please you a lot. And if the other one is not sure of your motives and really doesn't trust where you're coming from and really doesn't give a flip about anybody else around them, you may still love them because they're your kid, but man, that grieves your heart. Doesn't it? Do we have to go back to, do you enjoy watching them open their presents or you open your... <laughs> yeah. And so that's why God loves a cheerful giver. Because when someone is a cheerful giver, it's very clear. They trust Him and they, and they care. Care about others. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that in all things at all times, having all that you need, <laughs> you will abound in every good work. When, uh, when James Ryle was here several years ago, there were a number of people who really got a hold of this verse, and some people actually memorized it. 
And you know, when you memorize something, it gets in your spirit, gets in your heart. See, here's the thing in the kingdom that is so different from the world. In the kingdom, the more you give, the more you get. The more you give, the more you have. Isn't that weird? Because in the world, the more you give, the less you have. But in the kingdom, the more you give, the more you have. It's just that simple. And if somebody gets more of God, that doesn't mean there's less of God for you to have. You know, infinite is infinite. It's what that is. In fact, if somebody gets more of God, there's probably more for you than there was before. Think about it. If you hang out with people who are just dry, dead, got this much faith and this much worship, uh, <laughs> and, that, and, that's, and that's who you're hanging out with, then what happens to you over a period of time? You become dry, dead, got this much faith, you know. <laughs> but if you're hanging out with people who are alive and wet, whatever that means, and, and you don't got this much faith and, and this much worship, you know what happens to you over time? That's how you become. The more they've got, the more you get. It, look, I love the kingdom. It's just so, it's the world that's messed up. It, it's, it's the kingdom that, that works this way. <laughs> One last thing here. Paul closes out by saying, Thanks be unto God for his indescribable gift. And I used to, uh, I used to consider that verse in, in a vacuum. I'd pull that verse out. And I think it had something to do with a song that a choir was in one time sang about thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. But it, it's the same, same verse that we're talking about. <clears throat> because I've always thought, I mean, the indescribable gift, of course, the Lord Jesus. I mean, there's never been a gift like him, <laughs> that's for sure. No question about it. And that is true. But that's not what he's talking about. Because there's nothing in this passage about the incarnation. There's nothing in this passage about the crucifixion. There's nothing in this passage about the resurrection. There's nothing in this passage about eternal life. Hey, listen, I'm thankful for Jesus. He is the greatest gift. But apparently he's not the indescribable gift that Paul's talking about here. What is he talking about? He's talking about giving. And why would he call it a gift? Why would he call it indescribable? If you go back through this passage and you look at the things that get released in giving. Because, you know, we tend to think that, you know, well, I put my dollar for the poor in and... That's that. It was, it was only a dollar. You know, or maybe you, give, maybe you give something bigger somewhere and you think, well, that, that helped that person out. You know, that got that done. That got... Oh, no, that's, that's only the beginning of what just happened. What just happened is you begin, you, you begin to unleash, to unloose, to release uh, God's abounding grace in your life. 
begins to flow through. You know, some people, some people just have a grace about them. And they're, and they're so much, they're so much fun to be around because they release life and you feel better after you've been around them and you, and, and, and there's just this grace that seems to flow through them. And you may kind of go, you know, I'd like to be one of those people. Well, this is how it happens. This begins to release that in your life. And not only that, uh, not only that, it provides for the needs of, of people. And when it provides for the needs of people, they give thanks to God for what just happened. They, they begin to praise God for it. So it releases praise to God. And their heart goes out to you. I love the story that Barbie was telling last week at the, at the gas station where the guy came up and ordered a dollar five. You know, and she gave him some money and said, hey, bud, put, put some more gas in your car. And he goes, God bless you. Because that's what happens. It, their, their heart goes out to you. Grace has been released in your life. Praise has been released up to God. People's hearts go out to you. They begin to give thanks to God for you. They begin to lift you up to, to, toward God. And not only that, God gets happy. Because he loves a cheerful giver. It's not just a little thing that happens when you give. It's like dropping a pebble in the pond and all of a sudden ripples go places you had no idea it was going to go. And, and, and I'm not just talking about the other side of the world. I'm talking, about, I'm talking about the deep recesses of the heart. And not just yours either. But the heart of many others. Thanks be unto God. For his indescribable gift, gift of giving. Would you stand with me? I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. And actually, as much as I enjoyed, you don't have to clap. I just, I just, I meant that. And as much as I enjoy getting ready for it, because you, you, spend, you spend a few hours this week in that passage. It'll pump you up, too. Yeah. Flat out will. Are those who are going to pray with people come forward? Uh, our elders. And, and if you're here today and you need prayer, there's grace. There's grace. Grace is available. It abounds. Maybe you need to know Christ as your Savior. Maybe you've got financial issues. Maybe you've got health issues. Maybe you've got relationship issues, work issues, whatever. God's grace is here. God's grace was in that baptistry. God's grace was in the worship. It was in the offering. It was in the Word. It's here right now in the prayers. You can avail yourself of it. We're going to worship for a few moments, and we're going to wait for you. You come. You come if you need prayer. You come. You won't relent until you have it all. My heart is yours. You won't relent until you have it all. My heart is
Especially for those of you who may be somewhat new or, or don't know very many people yet, I really encourage you to come on Wednesday nights because uh, Wednesdays that's connect time. Uh, that's that's when you that's when you begin to get to know somebody. That's when your voice gets heard, uh, and you need connect time. You need connect points. So if, if you're uh, looking for a way to plug in, for a way to get to know some people. Wednesday nights. Of course, there's also 6.30 on Tuesday morning, men. Raise your hand. We give you a blessing. May the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who sent His Son into the world so that we might have an abundant, generous, rich life, may you experience that life. May your faith take hold of that life and seize it. And may God's abundant grace flow through you. those around you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen.